0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central. Good evening, everyone. It is Sunday, December the 24th, 2023. It is currently 7.24 p.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. And I hope you're having a wonderful Christmas Eve. It is fast approaching, you know, midnight before we know it. And then it will be Christmas Day, the day that has been set aside throughout church history to celebrate the incarnation of the eternal son of god yes many christians fight over it and we don't celebrate christmas and uh, you can fight and fight and fight and fight here's what i need to know is christmas the story of the incarnation of christ is that story in the bible yes it is the nativity narratives are there okay great so you give me the day to celebrate it i'm going to celebrate that very thing i'm going to celebrate the incarnation of the son of God. And if by, along the way, someone has made a federal holiday somewhat adjacent to it, and there's all of these secular elements to it, yes, they're there. And I know Christians struggle, right? Okay, wait a minute. Okay, this is a day we set aside to celebrate the incarnation. But wait a minute. This is also the time to celebrate family and presence and this and that and 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 food. And, and Okay, well, wait a minute. Okay, do I do that? Or do I just celebrate... Christmas. Which do I do? And I think many Christians struggle. Some Christians take the approach: No, we're gonna we're gonna remove everything. No presents, nothing. No family, none of that. All we're going to do is focus on Christ. Others are like, you know, we're not going to celebrate anything because we're we're opposed to. And so everyone fights and yells, and and sadly, it ruins it. It really ruins it in so many ways. And I cannot speak for you. I I, I cannot. And I'm not even going to try to speak for you. And it would be interesting, like if I was in front of a live audience right now, I'd probably start asking you questions. But um, I'll just ask this question for you to answer in your Christian life. I don't know if you've been a Christian one year, two years, five years, 15 years. Maybe maybe this is your first Christmas as a Christian ever, and you're uh, com- confused by all of the controversy that typically surrounds this time of year. But if you are a Christian and you've been a christian for a number of christmases, right? you were a christian as you you celebrated christmas as a christian for a number of years. for you, what did you feel the focus was on as far as preaching was concerned, teaching just in your own mind? did you feel that Christmas typically is focused on, hey, we should put God first. We should be thankful for him first. We should love him first. And and somehow you walk away somewhat feeling guilty because you've got all of these other things that you may be drawn to and you may enjoy and you may love. But then there's this other thing going, wait, wait, it's the celebration of the incarnation of Jesus Christ. Why? Why are you worried about anything else? That's what you should focus on. Love him with all your heart, mind, body, and soul. Do you sometimes come out of it feeling like you're in a no-win situation, and that you you almost walk away feeling more guilty. Now, historically, if we go back to the liturgical calendar, going back into certain aspects, uh, parts of church history, Advent originally was a time of penance. It was a time of repentance. It was a time of looking at your sin, being convicted by your sin, a time of preparing yourself for the coming of Christ, to celebrate the coming of Christ. Fasting, extra church services, it was all about sacrifice. It was about putting God first. It was about you doing without spiritually or doing without physically so that you could focus on the spiritual. And then little by little, it kind of started changing its tone. Even even today, if you have many liturgical churches who say uh, follow the advent wreath that I have right here in next next to me, you'll notice that three of that. Oh, you don't you can't see three of the candles are purple, the color of kind of pentance, repentance, that kind of thing, and one is a pinkish rose color. That's one of joy and rejoicing and celebration. They even they even added as the church evolved over time, and they're at Advent celebrations. They wanted to kind of take a break from, in a sense, the sacrifice to rejoice. So how should we approach it? I, I cannot speak for you, but for me, most of my Christian life, and I, I only see this, and, and I think this is a fair estimation, as I've always, when Christmas was over, and you've heard me mention this a lot throughout all of Advent and even, even just in recent broadcasts, I always kind of feel like that Christmas on one and, and I used this illustration last night, so let me return to it that Christmas I, I know there's a secular holiday, federal holiday I, I know all of it in fact, so some of the worst things that could have ever happened to our celebrating Christ was it becoming a federal holiday because then the secular elements are going to be there right it wasn't a it wasn't a religious victory, it was really a religious loss because once it becomes a secular holiday, well it's going to be secular, right okay so but I look at Christmas, forget the federal holiday, forget all of that. Just this, the story of the eternal son of God, true God, true man, born of a virgin, right? Born of a virgin that the incarnation, and, and of course, then you have the hypostatic union, the Trinity, a lot of things are are connected with the, the incarnation. There's, it's like an ocean of just doctrine and theology and practical theology, and biblical theology, and Old Testament prophecy, and New Testament fulfillment, and just so much. It's like an ocean, and I feel like every Christmas, you kind of run to the ocean, and at first, you kind of stand there and go, whoa. This is some deep theology. I mean, just begin with John chapter one, verse one. In the beginning was the word, and the word was with God, and the word was God. Wait, what is going on? And then he became flesh. Wait, what is happening? Yet he's still God. So he's true God and true man. And how does that? Oh, so many concepts, right? Yet he was born of a virgin, right? Just so many. Things. And then all of the, the the promises of, of David is going to have a son who's going to sit on a throne. Oh, just, and he's called the son son of the most High. he's the son of God. Yet he's called the son of David. Just so many fascinating things about it. So many theological, just things you could just dive into and take apart. So I always feel like they're like, you run up, you see this ocean. You're like, this is beautiful. This is awesome. I'm going to enjoy this. And then Advent comes. Boom. Next thing you know, it's Christmas Eve. Next thing you know, it's Christmas day. And then it's over. And then you're packing everything up and you're moving on. And sometimes I feel like, well, I saw the ocean. But did I carry anything with me? Like I saw it, but did it ever become a part of me? And so I feel like I I dip my hands into the ocean and I lift it up and the water just goes through my fingers and then it's over. And I'm like, well, I guess I'll come back next year and visit it. But you want to kind of take it with you. I want to bring a bucket and say, I'm going to take these doctrinal and theological truths and hopefully we'll have some kind of a profound impact on me, you know, in February, in March in April and May and June in July and August and September and October all the way all the way till next December but sometimes I, I feel that it doesn't so I'm always somewhat con- I always kind of walk away with some sense of guilt some sense of shame some sense of once again I demonstrate that I don't love God supremely I love everything else and i'm I'm selfish and and I just kind of always walk away feeling something. Negative. And I, and I, and I hate that. Now, maybe that's my own, just my own sense of, of guilt, my own awareness of my own sin. I don't know what, and on one hand, you want to rejoice though, because the more you see your sin, the more you should be grateful for God's mercy. We talked about that last night. So I kind of struggle. Well, early this morning, I don't even remember what time, 4 a.m., 5 a.m., somewhere around that time, I do what I typically do. If my eyes open, And I listen and I realize that my iPad is not playing anything. I immediately grab my iPad. Sometimes I will restart what I was listening to when it will go to bed. Sometimes I'll get in a habit of just immediately opening up the Sermons 2.0 app, click tapping on my feed. And the very first thing there, I just hit play. I don't even look at what it is. Well, I did that. And it was a Christmas Eve. I think it was Christmas Eve, Christmas service from Australia and i think an independent fundamental baptist church in australia and at first i started listening and there there was some kind of like singing and then there was like they were kind of giving some kind of testimony the microphones kind of got all messed up and then finally he clicked on the right microphone and then i'm like okay here we go here we go and i'm like I, i'm and i was like wait he's in the book of ecclesiastes so then I thought, I know what he's going to do. Book of Ecclesiastes, he's going to say, it's Christmas time, ladies and gentlemen. And a lot of times we're running around and we're grabbing onto, and we're trying to hold to all that is vanity. It, we're grabbing onto the vanity. We're grabbing onto the meaningless. And instead of grabbing onto the vanity and the meaningless this Christmas, what you need to do is focus on Christ. And I'm like, okay, this is going to be that kind of, but then I was like, wait, he's going a different direction. Hmm. He seems to be putting forth a different hypothesis, a different approach, dare I say, to Christmas, a different perspective. Now, as soon as I realized it was seemingly going in a different direction, you know what I did. I immediately had paused and said, said to myself, self, that's going to be a podcast episode. Let's do this. Let's do this. So then what's a better way? It's Christmas Eve night. Now, some of you got family. You're doing things. But here I am in the studio. So let's do this. Are you ready? do Do you want to do this? Grab your Bible. Open it up to Ecclesiastes. I believe it's in chapter nine where he's going to be. Ecclesiastes, And the reason I'm not sure is you don't really, you hear him reading the verses, but he doesn't really give the reference or when he gives the reference, the mic is not working. They're they're, they're having some technical issues at the beginning of it. okay. and instead of them editing out all of the technical issues, they left all of the technical issues in. okay. so I I, I was going to cue it up to right where the sermon starts, but then the sermon volume was all over the place. So what I'm going to do, I'm starting it back and and just you're going to have to be patient. Um, I started it back to where there is, uh, I guess they're kind of giving a testimony time or something people are thankful for. You can't really hear it because the mic is, I don't know what's going on, but I turned it back there so that we can kind of adjust the volume so that we'll be ready when the sermon starts. So we'll do a little messing with that. I apologize, but I, I thought I had it queued up. And then the next thing, you know, I was like, oh, wait, um, Let me just start typing everything out. And once I started typing everything out, I couldn't go back and do anything. So or I would have lost everything that I was typing out as far as all of the metadata for the podcast. All right. So are you ready? Ecclesiastes, I believe it's chapter nine. Grab a notebook. Now, here's how we're here's how I am going to approach it. First of all, sermon reviews. I, I don't. I don't listen to everything first. So this is to say, I only listen to a couple of. Once the sermon begins, I stop within a couple of minutes. I stopped, so I don't really know what's after that. So that's we're following that same procedure. And what I like to do is like, okay, here is their philological, interpretive hypotheses. Now we're going to test it. We may come to an agreement. We may even come to a disagreement. But whether we agree or disagree, the beautiful thing is. We spend this Christmas Eve evening focusing on the Word of God. Does that sound like a plan to you? All right. Here we go. Ecclesiastes chapter 9. I have a pencil. I think I've got everything I need. Let's do this. Let's jump in. Now, when I start this, it's going to sound all crazy. It's going to be like, what is happening? Just be patient we'll get to the sermon, okay? We're going to hear a lot of mic issues. We're going to hear some technical issues. But I would say to churches, once you realize that those problems exist at the beginning, just take it and cut it so that it's just the sermon, right? It's just something, just something you can do, right? But all right, that's neither here nor there, but here we go.
1: a little right. else did you say something
0: or was it just a show? so I, I keep messing with the volume there I know you can't hear it because they don't really have the even the one even the pastor doesn't I don't know what mic they're using I don't even know which mic they're using but so you can't really hear which you know um but They're gonna, they're gonna. At some point, they're gonna. I think he's gonna realize it, or he's gonna switch mics. Something is gonna happen, and then he's getting ready to begin the sermon. So we're just kind of getting an idea what's going on. It's, it sounds. I believe it's Australia. I believe it's Australia, and this was their Christmas service. I think they called it their Christmas service, but it was preached, I guess, on Christmas Eve. Right? Okay. So here we go.
1: Ecclesiastes
0: 9. Okay, something funny happened. I have no idea what, but it was, I guess, funny. And then he said, Ecclesiastes 9. So there it was. So there is Ecclesiastes 9. So I think we're getting ready to transition here. Hopefully, at some point, he's going to realize he doesn't have the right mic on. I don't know if there's someone in the sound booth realizes it. Someone's going to catch on, right? So let's be patient. Let's be patient. Let's see if we can get there.
1: Actually, we want to go Ecclesiastes eight, verse twelve. There's a little, there's a little section there. Is where we'll start.
0: Okay, I did not realize that. Okay, see, that's why I'm so. See, see, I'm gonna, I'm gonna justify that I, that I had this feeling that we needed to start right there that I had this just great insight. Now, it's just pure accident, okay? All right. But, well, is there any real accidents because of God's providence? Okay, we won't get into a theological discussion about that. I did not plan that, okay? But I'm glad I did because he just said, we're going to go back to Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 12. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 12. Okay, so now, we're going to get a little further context of the scripture he's going to be referencing to put forth his kind of hypotheses on a different way to approach Christmas. That's the way I am describing it. Now, let, let's see what he does here.
1: Uh, we'll read verse 12 to 15, and we'll have a word of prayer. And uh, we'll just try and uh, jump through this pretty quick tonight. I don't plan on keeping you long.
0: Oh, okay. So this was their Sunday, this was their evening service. I'm assuming their Sunday evening service, their Sunday evening Christmas service, or Christmas, they're calling it their Christmas service. It was their Sunday evening Christmas Eve service that they were calling their Christmas service. And he does what every pastor does in these kind of holiday kinds of messages. You kind of step behind the pulpit with this kind of feeling that the people are ready to go home. They got family, they got food, they got activities and i when i was a younger pastor so i so i i'm i'm doing i'm going to try to be fully transparent here as a younger pastor i almost wanted to be like oh yeah oh you think you want to go home we're going to do an hour and a half we're going to do an hour and a half i'll show you 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 want to put your focus on everything else let's let's preach an hour and 45 minutes okay i may not be uh, maybe that's a little bit of hyperbole but there was a part of me that was like no 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 if we're if we're about christ let's make it about christ but the reality is, people in the pew either just don't show up because they got their own Christmas activities; <laughs> they, they're going to skip church for Christmas activities, or, or they're just they're just focused. Now, he's going to take a different approach to it. But you can even there, like, "Hey, I'm not going to keep you long. I'm not going to keep you long. We're going to kind of hurry through this. We're going to hurry through this." So, and I, again, that just always raises the question: if you're having a service. And you have to hurry through it to get everyone out of the service so they can get to the things that they want to get to, then was it really, why not just cancel the service? I mean, that's always the kind of struggle I think pastors have. But let's, let's see how he's going to do this. He's going to read, he, it sounds like he's going to read Ecclesiastes 8 12 to 15, it sounds like. Let's see how he's going to approach this.
1: Ecclesiastes 8, verse 12. Though a sinner do evil a hundred times, and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before him. But it shall not be well with the wicked, neither shall he prolong his days, which are as a shadow, because he feareth not before God. There is a vanity which is done upon the earth, that there be just men unto whom it happeneth according to the work of the wicked. Again, there be wicked men to whom it happeneth according to the work of the righteous. I said that this also is vanity. Then I commended mirth, because a man hath no better thing under the sun than to eat and to drink and to be merry. For that shall abide with him of his labor the days of his life, which God giveth him under the sun. And we'll have a word of prayer.
0: Okay, now let's read that ourselves. Now they're getting ready to pray. Now he still, he hasn't changed mics yet, but let's, let's read this. 80, uh, 80, 88, Ecclesiastes 8, chapter, uh, Ecclesiastes chapter 8. Let's start in verse, uh, we'll start in verse 12. Yeah, I think that's where he started. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verses 12 through 15. Though a sinner do evil a hundred times and his days are, are, and his days be prolonged, Yet surely I know that it should be well with them that fear God which fear before him. All right. So let me read that again. Ecclesiastes chapter 8, verse 12. Though a sinner do evil a hundred times and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that it shall be well with them that fear God which fear before him. But it shall not be well with the wicked, neither shall he prolong his days which are as shadow because he feareth not before God we have just we have to note something here i got to be very careful cuz i don't want to start preaching the book of ecclesiastes but we have to do set a, a couple of parameters here remember ecclesiastes is basically a journal of solomon trying to figure out what life is all about right he tries it because he looks at life and he's like vanity, vanity, meaningless, 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 meaningless. So he he writes a lot of observational kind of like, here, like he's writing in his journal. He's writing in his journal these things that he's trying to figure out about life. And he starts realizing that under the sun, life under the sun is meaningless and vanity. And so you have to look above the sun to find purpose. So sometimes when he makes these observations, I think we have to be somewhat careful. Is he making an observation? Just an observation that may not be 100% theologically accurate, but it's just recording here's how he, see th- he sees things. Here's his perspective. All right. Cause if you're not careful right there, though a sinner do evil a hundred times and his days be prolonged, yet surely I know that he that it shall be well with them that fear God, which fear before him, but it shall not be well with the wicked, neither shall he prolong his days. Well, wait a minute. It says his days shall be prolonged, but they won't be prolonged. So which is it? And it says his days are as a shadow because he feareth not before God. Now you can get into some really deep philosophical questions. So you're telling me someone who doesn't fear God, his days are shortened and those who fear God, they live longer. We know that's not true. So like what how are we to understand that? Oh, but let, that's not the main point here. But you know, we could work on that. Verse fourteen: There is vanity which is done upon the earth, that there be just men unto whom it happeneth according to the work of the wicked; again, there be wicked men to whom it happeneth according to the work of the righteous. I said that this also is vanity. Then I commend Then I commended myrrh because a man hath no better thing under the sun than to eat, to drink, and to be merry, for that shall abide with him of his labor the day of his life, which God giveth him under the sun. Now here, this is the way I'm approaching that verse. That verse to me says that Solomon's like, hey, if life under the sun, if that's all there is, life under the sun, that's it. The here, the now. All you're seeing is the material, the physical, the fleshly. If that's all there is, then command myrrh. Have myrrh. Eat, drink, be merry, because this is all you've got. Now, is, should that lead us to a different way of approaching Christmas? Should that lead us to approach going, hey, stop worrying about all of this eating, drinking, and merry, because we've got more, eating, drinking, and being merry because we've got more than what's under the sun. We've got something above the sun. We've got the eternal God who sent his son. So we should focus on that. You think that's the direction, but which direction is he going to take it? Well, he's getting ready to pray. They'll switch mics and then he'll begin his sermon.
1: Lord, I do ask you to tonight. I pray, Lord, you bless the service, bless this evening, and I ask, my Lord, that you would bless the hearts of those that are here to hear it, I bless those that are listening in online. Lord, I just ask that you might multiply the truth of your word to the hearers, and that you would help us, Lord, that we might live for you in a way that's pleasing to you, and that, Lord, tonight you would have your hand upon me, help me to preach plainly and clearly the truth of your word. In Jesus' name we do ask. Amen. The mic. mic. Benny said something. Good job, Benny. Is that better? A bit clearer? All right. Ecclesiastes. Ecclesiastes is a good book of wisdom. Plan on just 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 touching on two things tonight. What should we do tomorrow? And I think the answer is found here in the Book of Ecclesiastes. Gives us some good answer about.
0: Okay, so he wants to touch on what should we do tomorrow? Tomorrow is Christmas. Fast approaching Christmas morning here in uh, the United States of America. It's fast approaching 8 p.m. Next thing you know, it's, before we know, it's going to be midnight. It'll be Christmas morning. What should we do? As a Christian, what should we do? Now, I'm focusing on should we wake up tomorrow and it should just be all about God, church, sacrifice, or should there be something else? Let's see which approach he takes. He believes the answer to how we should approach Christmas is found here in the book of Ecclesiastes, which I'm, which I'm thinking he's going to say, everything under the sun is vanity, so when you wake up tomorrow, don't pursue and focus on that which is vanity. Focus on that which is above the sun. That's the way I think he would go. But it's, it sounded to me, when I listened to the beginning of this, that he was taking a different approach. Let's consider the approach he's about to take.
1: What to do tomorrow, and uh, what should we do with the birth of Christ? And uh, we'll look at that real brief at the end. But here in Ecclesiastes, uh, the preacher is looking at all the circumstances of life and he comes to he comes to this thing of death. He comes to this brevity of life that's on all of us. Whether you be wicked or whether you be righteous, death's coming to knock on your door. And he makes this statement, Then I commended mirth, because a man hath no better thing under the sun than to eat. And to drink, and to be merry, for that shall abide with him of his labour the days of his life, which God giveth him under the sun. And it's basically to the the what he's what he's basically saying here is the wisdom of living in the moment and enjoying what you have now, because you're not guaranteed of tomorrow.
0: Now wait, he's taking this verse to say. That the wisdom that we must grab onto for what to do tomorrow is that we should grab onto myrrh to eat, drink, and be merry because we, and and enjoy the moment, enjoy the now, grab onto it and enjoy it because we don't know how long we're going to be alive. Because of the brevity of life, we should grab onto the things that we have and truly enjoy them. That seems to be the hypothesis he's putting forth. Do you think that is what this text is saying? That, that I I was kind of like, "Wait, what? So you're telling me to grab on and eat and drink and be merry?" Now let's see if he if, let's see if I heard it correctly. Let's see if I'm correctly understanding. Let's allow him to flesh this out a little bit more. I'll try to let this play a little long and not interrupt too quickly. But you tell me if you think what you identify his hypotheses I, 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 I probably shouldn't have told you what I think the hypothesis is. But since I've told you that, now you listen for yourself and you tell me what you think his hypothesis is. Here we go.
1: And uh, there's not much better that you can do than to eat and to drink and be merry with what today is. Because you don't know what tomorrow holds or what evil a day will bring forth. And he talks about the the, the brevity of life and especially when you get into the next chapter. We'll read this quickly, but we're really just looking to get to a couple of points in here. Verse verse 1 of chapter 9. For all this I considered in my heart, even to, to declare all this, that the righteous and the wise and their works are in the hand of God. No man knoweth either love or hatred by all that is before them. All things come alike to all. There is one event to the righteous and to the wicked, to the good and to the clean and to the unclean, to him that sacrificeth sacrificeth, and to him that sacrificeth not. As is the good, so is the sinner, and he that sweareth as he that feareth an oath. This is an evil among all things that are done under the sun. That there is one event under all; yea, also the heart of the sons of men is full of evil, and madness is in their heart while they live, and after, sorry, and after that they go to the dead. And he gets very plain with that event that is there for all that we go to the dead. For him that is joined to the living, there is hope. For a living dog is better than a dead lion. And he's talking about the hope that we have and the the opportunity we have when we're alive. And, you know, we can look back to men and women of the faith in the past and go, you know what? They were great lions for God or great lions in history. And I am no lion. And this verse steps in and goes, well, a living dog is better than a dead lion. God can use you whilst you've got life in you, even if you are not as much as what someone else might have been in past. And so he gives this wisdom, and and, and and then he reasons it out in verse 5, For the living know that they shall die, but the dead know not anything, neither have they any more reward, for the memory of them is forgotten. Also their love and their hatred and their envy is now perished. Neither have they any more a portion forever in anything that is done under the sun. And so he talks about the fact that the day is coming where you won't have a portion on this life. You just have what you have now. You have your opportunity now. Whilst you live, you have a chance to do something. To love and to be loved. To live for the Lord and do something for Him. Because the day is coming... Where you and I will be in the grave, and our opportunity will be past. And so in verse 7, he says this Go thy way, eat thy bread with joy, and drink thy wine with a merry heart, for God now accepteth thy works. Let thy garments be always white, and let thy head lack no ointment. Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of, thy, of the life of thy vanity which he hath given thee under the sun all the days of thy vanity, for that is the portion in this life, and in thy labor which thou takest under the sun. In Ecclesiastes, the preacher takes the time here to stop and just consider life, and he references the term of your natural life as the years of your vanity, that it's just It's just a vain life. And you see that phrase repeated over and over again. Vanity of vanities. All is vanity, saith the preacher. And so he says here in verse 7, he says, here's the brevity of your life. Here's death coming. And he says, so go thy way. Eat thy bread with joy. Drink thy wine with a merry heart. For God now accepteth thy works. And I thought about tomorrow. I thought about as far as Australia is concerned, as far as the rest of society is concerned, what is tomorrow? That's a public holiday? It's a it's a week to shut down business between Christmas and New Year's. It's got some it's got some tradition that ties back to back to, to church and to some things of God. It's got some roots that probably go back to paganism and whatever else we want to look at. So what do we do with tomorrow? What do I do with tomorrow? And tomorrow, in all of my life, has always been a day centered around family, friends, too much food, and a day to enjoy one another's company. And I step in here, and in verse 7, the preacher says to mankind, go your way, eat your bread with joy. Drink your wine with a merry heart. For God now accepteth thy works. He's, he, he's, you know, the, the, the law, I mean, under the law, is that the husbandman ought to be first partaker of the fruits of his harvest. You know, you're supposed to labor and toil and you're supposed to re- reap the rewards of your labor. And here he says, day to day, this isn't about one day, this is about every day. He said, as God has blessed you, go your way And eat your bread with joy. If you've got got bread, eat it with some joy in your heart because the day will come where you won't have bread. If you've got got wine to drink, enjoy the fruits of it. It's not talking about going and getting drunk. It's talking about the, the fruit of the vine. If you've got food and drink, then go your way. Eat. Eat thy bread with joy. Drink thy wine with a merry heart for God now accepteth thy works. And beyond that, he said, let thy garments be always white. And let thy head lack no ointment. It, it, it's passages of scripture like this as to why we don't go off to a monastery in the backside of the forest somewhere and live in, live in seclusion and in vows of poverty. Because the Lord says, I've got good things for you. I've got things that I've given you. Go and enjoy it. Eat, eat your bread, eat, drink, be merry. Live a joyful life in verse 9 with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of the life of thy vanity which he hath given thee under the sun all the days of thy vanity. He said the days that you have they're days that God's given you. So you're supposed to to step into those days and you're supposed to eat joyfully and you're supposed to drink with a merry heart and you're supposed to love the wife of thy youth and enjoy your family that God has given you. I got the privilege tomorrow, I get to share the day with my father's family. He married a woman that he loved.
0: Okay, now, this is his approach. I've, I've, I'm just going to I've never considered this, because so much of my Christian life has been die to self, deny self, put God first, love him first. And he's coming along going, hey, you know what you do tomorrow? You go enjoy it. You enjoy the food. You enjoy your family. You enjoy it in everything. Let your garments be always white. Is is that is that seeming like I don't know exactly what that's referencing meaning like you have enjoy the nice things you have. Uh, don't even deny yourself ointment. Like that goes beyond just your needs. Enjoy maybe the excess, maybe. I, I, we, we could we could get into trying to explain uh, some of these phrases, but his hypothesis is tomorrow, enjoy all of those things. In other words, you don't need to make tomorrow like, oh, I got to pray. I need to read my Bible. He's saying you can enjoy just all the nut- things that you have because in this part of your life, which it, there is, it's vanity, but you've been given these things Cherish them, enjoy them, have fun. Now, the key is, how do we balance that out? Because at the same time, no, 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 no other gods before him. You can't put anything before God and you can put pleasure and joy and, and family before God. No, you can't do that. Can't do that. Can't do that. Love the Lord that God with our heart, mind, body, and soul. In fact, you are to, if you're going to be his disciple, you must hate father, mother, child, even your own life. And then, like, how do you reconcile that with this? And he's saying that this is the way we approach Christmas. Go enjoy myrrh, merry, food, fun, family, drink, wine, bread. Is this, is this a, a unique approach? Now, he's going to say just a little bit more. Uh, there's not really a lot more to go, to, to look into. This is called Enjoying the Blessings of Life. You can find it on the Sermons 2.0 app or the Sermon Audio website. Enjoying the Blessings of Life. You should look it up. Um, Luke, uh, Hyland is the name of the person who preached the message. But, um, I, I just thought this was interesting and, I, I'm not sure I've got it mapped out or figured out, but I want you to hear it. Let's see if he offers a little bit more explanation. I, I think that's his hypothesis. A few disagree, but it seems to be clear to me this is his hypothesis. What do you do tomorrow? Go enjoy it. And that, he said, these are the kind of verses that keeps us out of a monastery. Because we've got other verses that would seem to almost argue that that's where you should be. And this is saying, hey, 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 no, 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 no. In this life, go partake,
1: enjoy They had children. They raised them up. And I was a part of those children. And I get to enjoy the day with my brother and his family and embrace that which God blessed my dad with. And I get to enjoy the day with my wife and my children and enjoy... In here he says, He says, Live joyfully with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of the life of thy vanity. It's not like tomorrow should be the only day. That's what our life is supposed to be. Let your garments be white. You don't have to be, you don't have to be uh, ashamed and hide the blessings that God has given you. He's given you these days that you might live joyfully in the life that He has given you. Let thy head lack no ointment. That's, that's getting to a luxury. That's not a necessity. That's getting to, that's getting to some cosmetics. And letting you, you anointing your head with oil and, 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 and just looking after yourself and, and, and having some pleasure in what God has given you. Yeah,
0: this is almost like wear your good clothes, make sure you look good and go have a good day. Go have, enjoy life. Enjoy life. Now, typically in Christianity, it's like, no, 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 sacrifice, give up, stop pursuing that, stop pursuing that, pursue God, pursue God, pursue God, sacrifice. And, And how do we, is there a way to reconcile these two? Because typically you don't hear this kind of message. He's not saying tomorrow, put your focus on Christ. He's saying tomorrow, just enjoy all the wonderful things about it. That's. I, 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 I can tell you like I don't even know what to say I can tell you I was like well, wait what this is good but then there, there was a part of me that says it's too good right there's a part of me that's like I can do this I'm like alright amen Okay, stop talking I'm ready to go enjoy myself Let, let's see what else he says
1: now of course, there's measure in that We don't want to take this passage of Scripture and run off with it. But we come to a day tomorrow, a day where we focus on on family and a a day where we we spend with friends. And the the tradition in our culture is it's that that time off and a time to get together and buy gifts and love one another and look after one another. And the Bible says that that that's that's the sort of thing that our days should be day to day because the evil day is coming. If you've got the opportunity tomorrow to enjoy your friends and your family and the blessings that God has given you, then God said, walk in that. Walk in the blessings I've given you. Allow yourself to live joyfully with with your family. That's what this reference is to with the wife whom thou lovest all the days of thy life. Sometimes that's all a family unit ever is, is husband and wife. And God never blesses with children. And the Lord says just live joyfully with that. Other times that husband and wife that God brings together flows into the blessing normally of family and and that grows on out from there. I spoke to a friend, lost lady. I spoke to speaking to her today. She's not a Christian woman. But she's off to to her, her son's place for Christmas lunch tomorrow. And it's a bit of a milestone because it's the first time Christmas lunch with the family has been at the son's home. And it made me think. The day's coming where it won't necessarily be everyone coming to my place. I better enjoy that while I can. God's given me that blessing right now. Walk in it. The day's coming where I'll be going to their place and leaving when I'm ready and going home and putting my feet up on the couch. <laughs> so, what do we do? We enjoy the blessings that God's given us. There ain't nothing wrong with that. The Lord says this is, this is a good thing to do. Does that mean we run to excess? Does that mean we live in the vanity of our minds? And, and no, we don't. There still needs to be temperance and, and that. But God's given us blessings that we might use them for our own comfort and bless those around us. And so tomorrow we, we, we have a day where we can with the moderation that is sensible walk in clear conscience to just live joyfully to eat to drink to be around family perhaps we could be mindful not to overdo it too much so then what do we do with jesus go to luke
0: there you have it there there that was his whole point he doesn't he he says we have to moderate it to some you know, there's gotta be temperance, there's gotta be, there's gotta be some control, but he doesn't really articulate it. And, and I, like, I mean. I think those verses, I I don't think he's handling the verses incorrectly in any way, shape, or form. But I'm going to be honest with you. I never approached it that way. Like, I've always looked at it whenever he says, hey, go do these things. It's more like, hey, if you're going to live your life just mindful of that which is under the sun, if that's how you're going to live your life, if you're going to live your life in the vanity of under the sun, then go eat, drink, be merry, and pursue it because that's all you got. But, But these verses in Ecclesiastes 9, seven and following seem to be maybe not, that maybe isn't the point. Like I've always looked at it. Yeah. Yeah. Eat, drink, be merry, do all of those things because that's all you've got. But if you know there's something more than what is under the sun, well, then you're to live your life to glorify God. Everything is about God. Everything you do is for God. Whether you eat, drink, it's for God's glory. Now, maybe you could say you glorify God, you you can glorify God in eating, drinking, do these things by enjoying them and celebrating them and and being grateful for them. I I do think it presents a a challenge. How do we do this and it doesn't slide over into, well, we're putting these things before God or above God? Or that these things are becoming distractions and these things are, are taking apart. Now, I do, we have talked about in this Advent season about rejoicing and rejoicing in those things that we do have. It talks here about the, the, the wife whom the, thou lovest uh, um, uh, all the days of, of your life, right? It's all, everything, family, food, possessions, there should be rejoicing in what we have and enjoy it. Okay, I, 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 I can see that. But I was I I put the focus on we are rejoicing and understanding God is the one who gave it. But we should still enjoy it. But how do we balance that? Now I'm I I was fascinated by this approach. People come to church and he's like hey, what do you do to my Now he says what do you do about Jesus? He's going to try to provide I guess somewhat of a counterbalance here, but I guess somehow in the midst of doing all the other things, we're supposed to also remember Jesus. But I think that that just presents the problem that we already have, right? So what do you think? What do you, what, what is the balance that you've come up with in your life? Do, or do you even think about it? Not just Christmas, but just your normal life. On one hand, there's so many things we've been given, so many blessings. Maybe material blessings, possessions, family, friends. You want to enjoy all of that. All right? He's saying Ecclesiastes 9, 7 and following supports that idea. But we also know there's that line that it becomes idolatry becomes distraction. He doesn't present us necessarily that answer. Now, maybe he, he does a little bit more when he, he he says what we should do with Christ, but then is it going to be kind of contradictory? Is it going to turn around and go, what we should also do is focus on Christ and we should worship him and we should celebrate him. But I, maybe maybe life would be great if it was easy to find balance, but I don't know if we ever truly find balance. I think we struggle with indulgence, idolatry, ignoring the spiritual for the material. That's usually what we fight against. So, what do you think? I would love to get your thoughts. You can email them to me newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com news if at yahoo.com if you do any exegetical work on ecclesiastes 9 and if you if you read that a little differently than he's presenting it i'd love to get your you know exegetical argument um it it doesn't have that same because typically he'll like okay here's this but this was all vanity and it doesn't seem that he does this in this section it's not like he says hey go do this but hey this is all vanity this is all vanity now, he, he kind of did that a little bit in 8 when he says, Then I commended myrrh, because a man hath no better thing under the sun than to eat and to drink and to be merry, for that shall abide with him of his labor the days of his life, which God giveth him under the sun. And now the once he says under the sun to me is the part that says, hey, if that's all you have under the sun, then then you should go do it. So is that idea carries over in 9? I don't know. I don't know. It definitely is life under the sun. It's definitely the vain the vanity part. Love to get your thoughts. All right, you can email me, newsif at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. If if you're with friends or family, have a discussion. How do we enjoy and embrace all the wonderful things we have in life, and do that in a way that is biblical if Ecclesiastes Ecclesiastes 9 is giving us that wisdom to do so, and yet honest enough to go, (laughs) I love those things more than I love God, and I put those things before God, and those things distract me from God, and God is getting the back seat here. I think if someone can ever figure that out, it'll be great. But at least he's presenting a side that I think typically gets overlooked. So I think this is somewhat fascinating. I just don't know if I have any definitive answers, but I've at least presented you something to keep you busy (laughs) this Christmas Eve and Christmas Day. All right. Thanks for listening. Everyone have a wonderful Christmas Eve and a very happy Christmas. God bless.